Michelle! I have so many questions right off the bat. So there is a little bit of violence here. Is this show killing people? Like a whole bunch of people went to sleep and never woke up again. So I took the quiz. Oh, I have anxiety and depression. They're pretty bad. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Yes. I'm, I'm really jealous of people who don't have to listen to themselves all the time because I'm a lot. Is it because you're an android? Diamonds, Michelle. Okay, okay. Just feel like, you know what? I'm gonna give the kids something nice. I'm gonna give them the Yule Log. I'm so proud of us. For those of you who are like, my God, Michelle, you are too much. Chill out. It's McDonald's fault. Bad, 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 bad. Something good has to be coming. Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to Agreement with me, Michelle, and me, Catherine, and this is our podcast. And what do we do? Every two weeks, we get together and bring you a weird thing, a pop culture thing, and a research thing, and then we try to make them all fit together and make sense of them. Yeah, together and with varying levels of success. Yes. If you think we're doing it a little too well and you want to mix it up, we welcome your grab bag submissions at angrymentpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your grab bags. Okay. So we're just going to get right into it. I feel like Michelle and I talked and said this is going to be the shortest one ever, which if you recall last fortnight, we said before we recorded for three plus hours. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. We have no idea. We, We are very, very bad at predicting what is going to happen once we start talking. Yes, it's always an adventure. So this week, Michelle, you go first. I remembered that. (gasps) I feel very on top of it. It's like like my A game right now. All right. Uh, That was the end of my A game. Lower your expectations. (laughs) Okay. So my weird thing, my weird thing is that um, I'm I'm just going to get a little set up. So you know where I live. I live in South City in St. Louis. And um, you've seen my neighborhood, right? Fairly urban neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, you know, lots of two-story brick houses, alleys. You know, like it's an urban, it's an urban environment. So my friend who lives not quite in my neighborhood, but in the same for anybody who doesn't live here it would be the same neighborhood, right? I am sorry to interrupt, but can I can we share with the listeners something that impressed me so much about your neighborhood? which is last time I saw you, we went to get hot dogs um, because you are near, right? You're near a lot of eateries. Yeah, and, yes, yes. Yeah. And we got hot dogs. And then you told me who owned the hot dog restaurant we ate at. It made me so excited. That hot dog restaurant is owned by Steve Ewing, who is the lead singer of The Urge. Those of you outside of St. Louis might not be as familiar with The Urge. but And that's a shame. Me, Jump right in. Go check them out. <laughs> they, 
they had mass appeal. They were not just in Missouri. And, in and he like, he serves you the hot dogs himself and he does it so joyfully. It is in there. They're really fascinating hot dogs with all kinds of weird toppings. And it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I am so great. spoiled. Um, I was just talking about this with, uh, see, look, it's not going to be the shortest one. Like, I'm not even talking about, <laughs> already, I'm not talking about my word. Already anymore. off track. <laughs> I am so spoiled. I was talking about somebody who lives like out, out of the city, out in the County. Uh, and I was actually talking to somebody who had moved from the city, like out to what would be considered a bigger city, but they live like in the suburbs of that city. And they're like, mm. I never go anywhere anymore because it takes forever to get anywhere. And I'm like, people talk to me I'm like, well, you know, it'd be a 20 minute drive. And I'm like, why, why would we do that? Like it's, you have to drive to get the food. Like it's a five minute walk. I, so I'm just very, very spoiled by where I live. Past my- the library, which is two minutes away, right. extra spoiled. Right. You have a great, so all that to say, you have an excellent location. Excellent. I'm picturing it. Excellent. So you're picturing this urban oasis of walkability. Yes. yes. And my friend who I got permission to share this story from, um, my friend was out on a walk in her neighborhood. And, you know, it, as you may have you've heard stories in the past, sometimes people will find an animal on their walk and end up bringing that animal home as a pet. What animal would you not expect someone to come across in a walk in a, it was in an alley, in an urban alley. I mean, there are animals I wouldn't expect them to come across. There are animals I would expect them to come across, but not take home. I'm thinking like a rat right. in, in an alley. And they decided, hey, I'm going to live dangerously today. A bunny rabbit. Bunny yeah. rabbit is as exotic as I can conceive. So this particular friend who is an awesome person um, has a tendency to rescue plants from the alley because people will like when plants need to be brought into the house in the warm weather instead, they'll just like put them in the green dumpster, or, like put them out for, for pickup. We also have a pretty, I don't know how common this is, but we have a pretty big culture of like just putting stuff out in the alley and then posting it on Facebook to be like, hey, this stuff I'm throwing away, you might want come get it from the alley. Right. So there's like there's like this whole culture of like finding stuff in the alley. So she's walking along in the alley and she sees an old pond that was like from somebody's backyard um, that has some like plants growing out of it. And she rescues plants. In fact, I have some rescue plants that she has rescued in my home. And I was like, she was like, oh, can I give you these plants? I was like, I will kill them. I kill everything. She's like, they were already going to die in an alley. It's perfect. The only thing it's nowhere to go, but from here, but up. Right. And no it was pressure. Like, that is, that's the kind of bar I need. And they're still alive. So I'm happy about it. Um, so she went to rescue these plants. And as she's leaning closer to look at the plants, up pops from the water, a big goldfish. Oh, oh it's going to get thrown away. Oh, no. So she scoops the big goldfish out. I, I would not. If you had said goldfish, I would have been very confused off the bat. She scoops the goldfish out, puts it in a bucket, and posts in our neighborhood group, is anybody missing their fish? <laughs> Found it on a walk. Exactly. <laughs> to which nobody responds that they're missing their fish. Nobody's going to nobody's gonna admit that they threw it out. Like, with the, yeah. uh, we're hoping that maybe they just didn't know the fish was still in there, which I will look, this is already, it's getting longer every time. So when I was a kid, we, we had an aquarium and, um, it had been running for a long time, but all of the fish had died. And we eventually were like, okay, fine. We have to take this thing apart. So we took it all apart and it was sitting and it had like a little bit of gravel and like an inch of water and the rocks started moving. 
And there was a, a coolie loke. I don't loke loach. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. They look like they look like snakes. They're really cool. This one was like a tiger striped looking one, and it was alive in there for like weeks. Wow. Us knowing it, just in like the gravelly, you know, leftover water, and we, you know, filled the tank back up, and it ended up with all this big space. Happy life. Yeah. So all that to say, we're not going to judge the goldfish abandoner too they, harsh. They might have just not known, you know, like it may have been a well-hidden fish that got jostled by the movement and was like, oh, what's happening now? Um, so, but my friend put it in a bucket nobody claimed it. So at that point she started trying to find it a, um, somebody who had a pond in their yard that would be willing to take it in. Right. And, but in the meantime, she's getting attached and she has named the fish <laughs> and she started figuring out where the, what, like what the fish needs and, and like, yeah, so it's, it's her fish now. I mean, we knew that was where the story was going to end, but like by the time she was like, so I've just named it Al for Allie fish for now. I'm like, okay, that's your fish. Like, that's yeah. Really oh great. yeah. That's a cute name, Al for Allie fish. So yeah, you're never getting rid of Al. I love that. I, so that is a very weird thing that your friend rescued a fish from an alley. <laughs> my friend found a fish on a walk. That is, that's my weird thing. I love it. My weird thing also has to do with animals. This week, though, it is not an animal fact. I promise. Um, I think I've done too many animal facts and no nature. That's what I thought. But like karmically, nature has come for me. And you have heard most of this. So I apologize that I'm repeating things to you because you have been getting texts about this saga for a long time as I slowly lose my mind. And I'm just going to tell everyone else about it now too. I, I mean, it is a very details. interesting saga and I'm in, I, I have not heard the latest update. So I am ready for that. So far it ends pretty happy. I think I've somehow passed the curse on to another family member. I'm going to oh. say that. So yeah, um, it started, I'm going to say start of March that I had a mouse infestation in my house and the temperatures here dropped to below freezing. And when that happens, the mice tend to try to get into houses because they're cold. And so I saw a mouse, I put out the no kill traps we have where you put peanut butter in and they walk over and it closes them in a plastic tube. And I'm like, there, that should take care of it. But it didn't, and the mouse and not kept because appearing. like there were too many mice, but because they were not going in the traps, right? Right, exactly. Which I learned later from the exterminator that some mice are just very, very smart, and they will not run into anything they can't see the other side of. So the fact that these no kill traps were plastic and there was clear, there was colored, they're purple, like colored translucent plastic on one end they're never going to even go in because there's a metaphor for you yeah don't don't ever run into anything if you can't see the other side of it that's a fortune cookie right off the bat don't (laughs) run into anything you can't see the other side of yeah perfect we can just end there shortest (laughs) ever oh this mouse is extremely smart and it's not going to go in the traps i it took me a long time to learn that i didn't even learn that until the exterminator came i just knew it was avoiding them i kept putting more and more peanut butter in the traps they were leaking peanut butter these stupid traps and it got to the point where the mouse would just come out at night to where i could see it it would come out in the open in I the middle of my room on the phone with you when it attacked i was i was we, we were speaking when one like yes. ran at you right like yes. 
Yes. Yeah. So it's, I'm assuming it was always the same mouse, a very smart mouse. And so it started just, it just started coming out, right. It would run under my dining room table, but then kind of wander out from under the table towards me in my living room on the couch. At first, when it saw me, it got scared and left, then it didn't. And I would yell at it and it would leave. But then the next night it wasn't scared of my yelling. And then I would stamp my feet and say, get out of my house. It was to the point where I was stamping my feet and screaming, get out of my house. I don't know what my neighbors thought. They didn't come to help me. So clearly it wasn't bothering them too much. But I got to the point where I could scream at this mouse, stamp my feet, and it wouldn't go away. And then, yeah, like you said, it got to the point where it ran at me. It was coming for me where I was on the couch. And I had to like pick my feet up and shriek. So that was enough. That was enough. Um, I said, I have tried to be nice. We did have sticky traps in our house. I hate sticky traps. I have seen mice chew their legs off to get out of them. They're horrible things, but I was just slowly losing my mind. I was afraid of this mouse. It was the mouse's house, not mine. So I, in a fit of insanity, I had to have gotten like two dozen sticky traps and I put them everywhere everywhere I had seen the mouse, everywhere I thought I might see the mouse. And then I called the exterminator. So the exterminator, I wake up the next day and yeah, it wasn't in any of the sticky traps. It had avoided them all. And the exterminator comes and sees sticky traps all over my house and laughs at me and says, ma'am, they tend to stick to the baseboards. You don't need all this. And I said, no, you don't understand this mouse is free in the house. It's running at me. He did not believe me. And basically they have a very great system, the exterminators, they use dehydration pills, blah, blah, blah. They have special containers that the mice can see both ends of run in and out. They eat the pills, they eat the food, and then they have to leave the house looking for water. And eventually, because it dehydrates them so quickly, they associate your house with bad, bad, bad. Great. Um, a few days go by and all of a sudden I start getting mice in the no-kill traps every morning, every single morning. And I am, you told me, Michelle, that sometimes you have to drive them like five miles away. So I'm driving these mice five miles away from my home every morning, morning after morning, I am a mouse soccer mom, taking them, taking them to the soccer field, to the golf course, to Target. I ended up just taking them to the Target parking lot and being like, you cannot follow me home. And then I woke up and there were two mice, two mice in each no kill trap. How do they get in there together? It was wild. Yeah. It had to be like I choreographed, feel, right? Like how I do you know like- they would, cause it, as soon as they go in, it closes. So they would have had to go in together. I will also say at this point, I started finding like three to four feet up on my doors, just globs of peanut butter. And so I'm like, what is happening? Are the mice eating peanut butter and smacking themselves so- into doors? So with the, uh, with them ending in the trap together, I just want to propose that perhaps they were doing some elaborate ballet. So (laughs) you were a huge fan of that ratatouille. Oh, they're just, they knew I was. And they're like, isn't this what you want? We're confused about why you don't like this in real life. So funnily enough, the ratatouille TikTok musical is going to come up later in this podcast. (laughs) So this is not even my weird thing. This is just, I want this you to, context. I want you to know that my sanity 
because I, I can do spiders. I lived in Australia. I can do snakes. I live here in Colorado where rattlesnakes do not phase me. I went by rattlesnakes just so I could take a shortcut from work to the parking lot for a year and it didn't bother me. Australia, there would be spiders when you went to the bathroom in the middle of the night that could cover the whole toilet seat. I don't care, but I cannot do mice. Mice freak me out like nothing else. So my sanity, my mental health had just eroded. And I was texting you, all my friends about these mics. Um, and so finally the exterminator comes, but it didn't work. So I call the exterminator again. And I say, I have them in the no kill traps. New exterminator comes. He looks, he's like, well, clearly there's just so many mice in your house that they've eaten all the food. And now they're moving on to the peanut butter. He checks all their special traps, not touched. They did not touch any of the bait. And so then he gets very quiet and concerned. And he says, what do their tails look like? And now the exterminator is convinced that I don't have mice. I have baby rats because rats are bait averse. They don't take bait. They just avoid it and you can get baby rats. So he goes all around my house. He tries to find how they're getting in because if we can't bait them out, um, there's nothing we can do except try to make sure they can't get in. He finally finds where they're getting in. He goes down to my basement for hours and he finds it. And there's a, they're basically, they're getting in into the floor. And he's like, they're in your floor. I said, well, what do I do about it? He says, rip out all your floors. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. You would have to rip all your floors out. So at this point, I'm like, I have a, I'm, I keep a clean house, everyone. I just want everyone to know. Um, I have a floor, I potentially have floors full of rats. Because if there are baby rats, that means there are adult rats. So I am freaked out, beyond freaked out. And long, this, long story short of that is he found a hole in the house and shoved steel wool into it. And I haven't seen any since. They may be in my floor, they may not. That is only the start of how nature has been torturing me. So as you can see, I'm very paranoid now. I think I have a floor full of rats. I'm tired. Um, when they get in the no-kill traps in the night, they try to get out and it's just scraping plastic noises all night that keeps me up. So I, the next day I am getting ready for bed. It's like 10.30 at night. And all of a sudden, my house is filled with the smell of skunk, just filled with skunk smell. And I can't explain to you. I just want you to know it was overwhelming and it was in every room of the house. It smelled like it wasn't coming from one place. I went all around. I said, you know, I'm just going to stay up. I'm going to do like a yoga class. It'll go away. It'll go away. It only got stronger. I lit incense. I lit candles. Nothing could cover up this skunk smell. Mind you, I know I live in Colorado. I know the difference between an animal skunk and like skunky weed. This was a skunk smell. So I'm getting ready for bed. I go to bed with my computer and it's not going away. So I Google skunk smell in my house because I went outside to see if I could smell a skunk. No skunk smell outside at all. So, you know, you think a skunk is outside, but it's not, it's only in my house. And if you Google skunk smell inside, 
I welcome everyone to do it right now. You immediately get a very scary warning from like the Colorado or whatever your state is in natural gas services saying, get out of your house. Don't turn any lights on. Don't do anything. Just get out of your house because a lot of natural gas is it's odorless, but they sent it with skunk smell so that you know it's there. And I was like, all of a sudden it's in my house. It's not outside. It is a strong skunk smell. I'm going to die in my sleep of a gas leak. And I'm like, no, 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 just chill, go to bed. But now I can't because I'm worried my house is going to explode or I'm going to die of a gas leak. So I call, I call the natural gas company. And as soon as I tell them there's a skunk smell in my house, they're like, we're sending someone. By now it's 1145 at night. By the time they get there, it's 1230. They were lovely. They tested everything. They came down to my basement and they're like, yeah, it really smells like skunk. As soon as they walked in, they got really concerned because they could smell it. He's like, is everything off? Your, your furnace isn't going to kick on. I'm like, no, no, no. But there wasn't. His meter didn't pick anything up. So he, and he was going all around my basement looking. I just want to say that for fun, that this man from the natural gas company was kicking around my basement, looking at my furnace, doing monitoring in the middle of the night. Lovely man, he leaves. The next day, I'm up all night with mice. I'm up all night with natural gas leaks. The next day I go down to my basement and I'm digging around looking for something and a skunk pops out at me. A full skunk and skunks are big. Skunks are bigger than I thought they would be. Oh my God. It scared me like not Michelle. I was so scared by the skunk. So there's a skunk in my basement. Clearly that's the skunk smell. Great. Okay. As you were telling the story, I did not know how it was going to end, but I was imagining when you were like, and so he goes in my basement and was like, ma'am, do you think the skunk smell might be coming from this skunk? You know, like, but no. I wish he had found that skunk. I wish he had found it. Um, I screamed so hard. Luckily, the skunk did not spray me. Where are your neighbors? My goodness. Like you've been I know I've been after (laughs) (laughs) It has just been a horror film in my house and no one is coming to help. I will say I live next to Olympians, big strong Olympians who should be coming to help me. So (laughs) um Big strong Olympians who have somehow connected their phones to our Bluetooth speaker. So I hear them listen to TikTok videos all day. Oh my God, that's a different story. So there's a skunk in my house. Um, It didn't spray me. Luckily, I can just close the door, go upstairs. I call animal control and they get very concerned. And they start asking me questions like, did you touch it? No, I didn't touch the skunk. Did it touch you? Did it scratch you? Could its saliva have gotten on you? Um, did anything, did you, did you touch it and then touch your eye? That is Be- how you know you're dealing with somebody who deals with the public. Did you touch it? No. Did it touch you? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't touch it. Oh, but it came up and rubbed all over me. <laughs> Just put a little pause right in my mouth. Why do you ask? So I say no. And they're like, okay, do they're like, are you, is it closed off? Is it a, are you, can you be separated from it in your house? Cause otherwise you need to leave your house. This is the second time in 24 hours. People are like, get out of your house, get away. It's because apparently in my County and then in my neighborhood, especially there is a rabid skunk 
pandemic epidemic. Did you hear about the fox that had to be euthanized on DC that bit like nine people, yeah. including a congressperson? Yeah, so like, yeah, rabies is a thing. Nature's getting upset. I also I read rabies that has a hundred percent death rate if you're not treated within. Well, the- Michelle, it does. Rabies has a hundred percent. Once the symptoms are showing, there's nothing you can do. How scary is that in like our modern world that there is a disease that once you know you have it for sure, you are dead. Now, I want to take this time to say, yay, animal control. They got the skunk out of my house. Um, I haven't heard if it's rabbit or not, so I guess I'm fine. But I do want to stop and say, you've had, Michelle has had direct experience, (laughs) not to dredge this up for you because it was very traumatic. But you have had direct experience with rabies scares, haven't you? Yeah. You know, when I was about 15, 14 or 15, I, um, I don't want to get too gruesome on this podcast, but, uh, I had a cat and my neighbors had a dog and the dog got a hold of my cat and I chased it to try to save my cat. I was unsuccessful. Um, I got to a redacted looking cat, um, that was still alive, but obviously not going to be alive for much longer. And I tried to pick it up to take it home while I'm sobbing. Cause my cat is in pieces. Um, and the cat bit me, which I mean, obviously it was having a very terrible time. So I'm trying yeah. to carry my dying cat back to my house and it bit me and like, I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and as I carry this mess of animal to my porch and get to my house, there is my cat sitting <gasps> on the porch. I forgot that part of it. <laughs> oh, no. no, I don't, I don't know what cat I had but it was not mine, which meant that we did not know if it had been, um, you know, if it had been vaccinated and yeah. what, and because rabies, it had because had rabies and, is so lethal. Yeah. They couldn't so we, take the chance. Yeah. And so I had to get, I had to get rabies shots. I very likely was not, I mean, you know, it was, but who knows, who knows where the cat came from? You or don't why I was play around, around with, you know, with it though. Don't you can't play around. So yeah, it was a, it was really like, it was a series of like they're neon purple, the shots, and you have to get them alongside like hemoglobin shots because your body can't handle the rabies shots unless you also get, so like they were, they were really painful and I'm not, I didn't have a pretty high pain tolerance. Like I don't like normal, but they just, they were really slow. Like it took a long time to inject like the hemoglobin stuff and like, um, And you had to get them like you had to get one and then you had to get in another series like three days later and then like seven days later and then like 14 days later and like 21 days. It ended up being like many, many shots by the time it was all done. Um, So, yeah, it's not fun. I mean, you should do it before you I mean, you know, if the options are potentially die from rabies or do it, you should do it. But yeah, you should mostly not play with the skunks in your basement. So good job, Catherine. Thanks. I did the right thing. Yes, they were concerned that it was awake during the day and didn't spray me. And, and I, I kept asking animal control, how did it get in my house? How did it get in my basement? They're like, skunks can get real flat, which didn't answer it for me. But, um, and also any listeners going, why didn't they test the animal's body so that Michelle had to, could avoid that? It's because her mom got mad at the cat and burned it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was no body to test. Yeah. This is farm life. This is country living in Missouri. And, and, and I was saying, look, mom, I hope you're listening. I was saying, 
as they were doing, because they were burning like brush or trash or who, I don't know, they burn a lot of things in the country. So that was already happening when I came up and, you know, here I am sobbing, like the cat bit me and I thought it was my cat and it's not my cat. And that's just a very emotional moment. And so they were like, oh, well, it's dead now. So we'll just toss it. I'm like, wait, wait, it bit me. It should maybe be tested so that we know. And no one would listen to me, which is a theme from my childhood. And so I was like, all right, fine. So, you know, like I just went about my life. And then my mom wakes me up at like three in the morning, panicked. And she's like, Michelle, Michelle, that cat bit you. And we don't know what cat it was. Like, what if you have, I'm like, oh, what if I have rabies? Yeah. Who would have thought of that before we burnt the thing? Like, yeah. I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been plagued by various animals over the past month, which ended with a rabid skunk in my basement. But since that happened, it's been all clear. Although I, like I said, I think I've passed the curse on because my brother who lives in Kansas city two nights ago was up all night with a pellet gun outside his house to defend his house from the outside because a raccoon was viciously trying to eat its way into his house. And it was like, there wasn't a hole it could get into. He was like, just this raccoon was going crazy and like throwing itself at his house, trying to just scratch and eat away and get in his house. That is very not normal raccoon behavior. No, he was like, it was acting crazy. I mean, maybe it was rabid. I don't know, but I passed it on. I'll say another brother of mine is currently filming a movie about some sort of like historic witch hunter who was a real person and they're filming it in like the place where he lived in a historic house. And he keeps saying, Oh, it's so spooky. And I'm like, maybe he has raised an unhappy spirit making this movie. And now animals are coming to haunt his siblings. That's the best I can guess. I feel like they should go right for the source, right? Like this shouldn't be siblings like that. Yeah. I know. I'm not going to wish that on him, but it would be more fair. We once so had a raccoon. It. We were like, we're, you saying that it was like trying so aggressively to get in. Cause like we were sitting on our back porch late at night one night. And I was like, what is that noise? And I look up and there was a raccoon like scaling the gutter pipe. We headed up to our two-story roof. And when it sees us see it, it just freezes. Like, as if it's like, I hold real still. They won't. Yeah. They're usually cute. Was, yeah, they're not a- aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very. We, we've had, again, country living. We often, my parents, when their pool is open for the season, raccoons will come and wash their food in the pool. And it's really fun at night to see the raccoons go in and washing their meals in the pool. So they're usually nice. Yes. It would have to be really wild to necessitate you waking up and going outside with a pellet gun. Yep. Okay. Well, already that was so <laughs> But yeah, I'm sorry. That was a long-winded story just to end. But it that's my weird thing is that I had a rabid. You're being haunted by. Skunk in my baby. Small mammals. Small mammals are out to get me. Okay, let's move on to pop culture. All right. My pop culture thing is truly just a John Baptiste appreciation time of reflection yes <laughs> i think we should, Good. We should just Let's all do it. stop for a moment and reflect on the fact that we live in a world 
at the same time that John Baptiste lives in the world and isn't that awesome. Yay us. Um, it, to make it slightly more specific, I just, I really, so I have a, I have found that the thread that ties me to the things that I love the most are just when the person who is doing it seems to just love doing it. Right. So like, yes. even, even if it's not always, which in John Baptiste's case, the music is my style. Like I enjoy it for its own aesthetics, but even when things are not my style, even when like, it's not something that I love that much, if I can watch the person doing it, just love it. I will, I will be like, fine. I'm there with you. I just, I really, really like people seeing people do the thing that they want to do the most in the world. Um, have I ever taken you to Gooey Louie? Yes. And that is such a good example of that. So uh, Gooey Louie is a, apparently this is going to be name dropping um, St. Louis restaurants. So welcome everybody. Come, come visit my city and eat some good food. Uh, so Gooey Louie is a, a gooey butter cake store in St. Louis. Gooey butter cake, for those of you who don't know, is a St. Louis delicacy that's basically just cream cheese, butter, and sugar all mixed together. Um, mm -hmm. It is delicious. And this, this man who runs this gooey Louie is just so clearly like, this is what he was meant to do in the world. And I've never seen anyone care so much about one singular thing and just make it what they, it's just, I can't, I can't put it into words, but if you go in the store, you will know what I mean. Yeah. Like he you just, were trying to explain it to me and you're like, let's just go. And it was, it was just, I can't either, but it was just so like. It just, the, it just felt good. It felt, you walked in and you knew and then talking to him and it was wonderful. He just is doing it was his calling supposed to, to do. And like, I really, really like the idea that there are callings for people that are just sort of simple and small. And like that, that is the, like that not everybody's calling has to be some grand, like, oh, I need to, you know, lead an army or what? Like, no, my calling is to make the very best gooey butter cakes that I can and make them available to my community. My calling, you know, like I like I really just appreciate that as a thing. And John Baptiste makes me feel that way, right? Like when I watch him perform, I'm like, this man yeah. has found what he's supposed to be doing and he is doing it. And I love it. Like I just I love it. But then did you hear his acceptance speech at the Grammys? Cause it just made me like happy cry. Yeah. Like I was just like, I've, this is I've watched it on repeat so many times. I, I just it, it was just so inspiring and meaningful and sincere and i i'm gonna read it yes i haven't seen like that level of sincerity in a while so it is sorry i have to find it again don't worry he said so he won album of the year for those of you who do not know at the grammys um and his acceptance speech which you should watch because my reading it yes. is not going to be adequate but you should watch it he said, I believe this to my core. There is no best musician, best artist, best dancer, best actor. The creative arts are subjective and they reach people at a point in their lives when they need it most. It's like a song or an album is made and it almost has a radar to find the person when they need it the most. I mean, man, I like to thank God. I just put my head down and I work on the craft every day. I love music. It's been playing since I was a little boy. It's more than entertainment for me. It's a spiritual practice. Every single artist that was nominated in this category, I actually love and have had experiences, out-of-body experiences with your music. I honor you. And this is for the real artists, real musicians. Let's just keep going. Be you. That's it. I love you even if I don't know you. 
and you have to watch it. Just the way he says that, I love you, even if I don't know you. And then it's like, yeah, like me. He loves me, even though he doesn't he loves know me. me. Yeah. Yeah. He loves me. Yeah. And the guy from Gooey Louie, it is a spiritual calling for him. It's just, just like he, just like John Batiste said, it's a spiritual calling. Like, I just have to do this thing because this is the thing I was put here to do. And I just, I want that to exist. Like, I just, I want there to just be things that we do that are the things we're supposed to do. And we just get to do them well and love it. And yeah. And I'm, I'm just so happy to see him. I've been a John Batiste fan for a while and I'm just happy to see him getting like all this recognition and getting all of this, like, you know, doing soul made him really explode, but he's been the, like the music director for Stephen Colbert's show. I didn't know that. I found that out after I won the Grammy. Yeah. And like, I just, I, he's just, yeah, I just really, I just really appreciate John Batiste. And I really, really loved that speech and that's my pop culture thing. Go watch it. We'll link to it. Love it. Okay. My pop culture is very short and sweet. I don't have much to say about it, but I, what is pop culture for? And what is this podcast for? If I can't shout out some of my friends, have a friend named Jess Langley, who is an artist and she lives in the city I live in here in Colorado. And her art is amazing. And she does amazing things with um, polystyrene and growing mushrooms and a oh, ton yeah, of you stuff. you told me about her work before. Yeah, it but that's amazing. what she's kind of, it's really great. I like everything she does, but I just am so stoked and so proud of her. And she has been working like a maniac because it was under a short time limit that the new, I... I know two of these singers and I love them. The other two, I don't know. So please, please excuse me if I say their names incorrectly, but Wiz Khalifa, big K-R-I-T, Smoke DZA, Smoke DZA, and Girl Talk came out with a song all together called Put You On and she animated the music video for it. She did the music video. And it's so cool. And I'm so stoked and proud of her and stoked for her. And um, Girl Talk, I was talking to you about Girl Talk, was like one of my favorite, favorite artists in grad school, period. And so I heard she was doing this. I love Wiz Khalifa. And it's like, what? So it was very cool getting to see like the what she was working on. She showed me clips of it while she made it. And now when it comes on Spotify, cause you know how Spotify has like the looping image. It's like, it's her work and Aww, it's so yeah. cool. So I just want to shout out to Jess. Hi Jess. Um, I'm very, very stoked. And everyone, I'll put a link to it. Go watch the amazingly animated Put You On by Wiz Cleef and Girl Talk and others at all the music video. I can't wait. That sounds so exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. It was really, really cool. She's very talented. So that's it. That's my pop culture. Go check that, that out. Our pop cultures are just like positive, happy, and done. Move away before anything can, before we can spin off into a sad topic. No, no, it's so nice. Just upbeat, upbeat, upbeat. Okay. Awesome people doing awesome things. <laughs> to research.
Oh, Michelle pulled a face. <laughs> my research just isn't very researched. I'm my sorry. research is entirely pop culture. I moved things around today, so it's fine. I I mean, I just I just am very, very short. So, you know, the other things I feel like I can pull together mostly from my own, but I like to have my research be like researched or I'm like pulling, but, and I just didn't, I just didn't have the time to give you a good, well-researched thing this week. So rather than half-ass a research thing that I couldn't do, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep it simple. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about some names. So here is my research thing for the week is that um, I'm going to tell you the origins of some weird nicknames first. And then I have some more name related trivia to tell you about. And that is what I'm going to count as my research thing. And you can totally call me out and say, hey, that's not really research. Fair. I It's what I've got for you. All right. Um, <laughs> the research category is fairly effluvious, I feel like. It can kind of be what we want it to be. I fell into this by trying to figure out, because, you know, like people have nicknames that don't make a lot of sense. Like I was... <gasps> I just learned about Trip. Do you know about Trip? Trip? No, where does Trip? Trip is, is a nickname. Because you've heard that. And it's mainly mm-hmm. like bougie, rich, white people families, right? That it's like Trip. Trip Vanderbilt. Um, it's the third. It's a different way of saying the third. Oh, it's a junior, like junior, triple. junior, triple. That's what Trip is. I'm reading, no I'm reading idea. the trees where it's junior, junior. And then there's the was it triple J is that? Yeah. 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 Oh, we got to talk about the tree. I am not done yet, but I, okay. it is fantastic. It is so it's good. It's so fucking and good. I should tell you how busy I am this week that I have not. Cause like, I want to just sit and read it and I keep getting, oh, I read like, it. Responsibilities, I've... kids to feed. I just want to read this book. Yeah. Um, trip trip yes. is in, is in the trees, read the trees. So I can't remember which nickname it was that I was like, how did we get to that? But I just, I found this mental floss article that I'll, I'll share so that you can put it in the show notes. that just goes over some of the weird nicknames and how they got there. And I just want to pick a few of them to share with you because I think it's interesting. So, um, Sally is from Sarah, which is really? interesting. Yeah. Because like, I always think of nicknames as needing to be shorter. I guess that's not entirely true, but it just seems like, well, why give them a nickname if it's the same length? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so confusing. it was, but there was, there were all these conventions of like, instead, like, cause I guess I'm just very set and like, oh, you make a nickname, a nickname by like making it a shorter version of whatever it is. Maybe adding like a Y to the end of it so that it sounds cuter, right? Like diminutiveness is very tied into my biases yeah. about what makes something a nickname right and I I'm was sure taking that- I was doing an exercise class yesterday and the person was like in these exercise classes they shout out people's names and the person was having a lot of fun giving everyone a nickname and they said and you Jess and why am I not giving you a nickname your name's already nicked right it's short it's yeah. a short version nicked name's nicked Jess and so, um, but, th- but that was not always the convention for giving nicknames. So a, a common convention was to replace an R with an L. So a common nickname for Mary is Molly and a common nickname Whoa. for Sarah is Sally. It's just more fun to say. Is I, this easier in the mouth? I guess. I, are L's easier? I mean, L's are, I, maybe it's just so, because mm-hmm. I have a child who cannot say their L's. They always come out as wise. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. So there's that one. Um, what else is here? Harry is from Henry. 
Again, no, no shorter. No shorter. Again, it's been a consistently popular nickname, especially in England. And Henry is a popular nickname in England. So to have to have Harry, it's, it's, it's very common. Um, and one of the reasons that, so I, I, it doesn't even really explain why it just says that it just has consistently been there since medieval times that if your name is Henry, people will call you Harry. Huh. And I, yeah. It's not just, I don't know. It's just not how I think of nicknames. Also, there was this huge, um, tradition of giving a rhyming name. So like shortening it and then rhyming it. And then that would be the nickname. So that's why Ted is often short for Edward. So I normally think oh. of Ted as being like a Theodore, which makes sense yeah. in my way of how we get to a name. But um, Ted is often short for Edward because Ted rhymes with Ed. And same with, um, so Peggy is short for Margaret because it would be. How do we get there? So, so Margaret has a ton of nicknames. Um, yeah. So some nicknames for Mar- Margaret include Meg, Mog, Maggie. And Mog and Meg rhyme with Pog and Peg. So it's this long. That's that's getting into like Cockney rhyming slang density levels. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I guess I'm just interested in like, that's just not like, if I think of a nickname, I'm never going to think of like, oh, let me like shorten your name and then make it rhyme with something. And so it's just interesting to me how these conventions, which that made me think about. There is a, on the social security association website, you can look at naming data for the United States. Um, so first I just thought it was interesting that I would share with you. So this is, I, I researched it a bit. I didn't do nothing. Yeah, I'm um, learning. I would share with you that the United States has some of the most lax naming laws in the whole world. So most countries have conventions about what you can and cannot name a child. Um, But the United States has very, very few. And almost all of our laws are entirely for bureaucratic reasons and not for any sort of uh, like, oh, you can't name them that because it's offensive or you can't name them that because that's a girl name and that's a boy. You know, like um, it's almost always like, no, you can't do that because our records won't allow that um, symbol to be in there or whatever. Like like with Elon Musk and Grimes and that BS. Yeah. Yes. No, it's a thing. My cousin is my cousin married a woman from Finland and lives in Finland with her and every other kid. They have quite a few children. And the first one got a very traditional Finnish name, but then they wanted to do really traditional Irish names. And they had trouble with like getting approval even for some of those names. Yeah. And there's like most countries have at least at least laws like saying, oh, you can't use these words. You can't use, or you can't use words at all. It has to be a name. Like a lot of countries have like, yeah, you can't name your kid like tree or, you know, river or whatever. Like you have to name them something that we already associate with a name. Um, and, but it, there was, it's, I found this part really interesting as I was researching. So um, we, a lot of, so it's state by state in the United States, by what can be accepted as a name or not. And California does not accept diacritical marks, such as the like, you know, the mm. diacritical mark over the E in Jose. And oh, as you might weird. imagine, that's there are it's, it's because they don't have it. Their their records would not let them record it. And so in 2017, the legislator passed AB 82, saying that like, no, we're going to accept these diacritical marks are part of people's names, especially since we have such a huge population yeah. of people from cultures that use those but it got vetoed by governor jerry brown 
because it would have been so expensive to go back and modify all of the existing registrations in the system that he said it was it was too expensive to do. So and hmm. I, just, I found that really interesting. So, yeah, um, really but interesting. there have been challenges and courts have constantly said that the 14th Amendment to the Constitution and the Free Speech Clause to the First Amendment support parents being able to name their kids pretty much whatever they want. And so the United States has very, very lax laws about what you can name your kid. I did find it also interesting. I was going to tell you some of the band names in Australia, some things you cannot name your child. If you live in Australia, you cannot name your child Batman. Oh, you cannot (laughs) name your child panties, scrotum, snort or spinach. If if you live in New Zealand, oh, so much for me having little uh, spinach panties. The third <laughs> can't carry on the family name because I live in Australia. Sorry, SP. These are names that have been rejected in New Zealand: Lucifer, Minister, Mister, just MR, um, Royale, Sex Fruit, and Tallulah does the hula from Hawaii. Oh, that one is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, so there's just lots, lots of countries have either specific lists of band names because of like historical associations, or they have rules about you must name your child a name that is traditionally associated with the, um, sex they've been assigned at birth. And like, there's just lots of regulations in different ways. So I was also looking at the social security administration website, um, because they keep a list of the names that have changed the most in rank from year to year. And so I thought it might be interesting to look at what has decreased the most in popularity from 2019 to 2020. And so the top name that has decreased the most, that was more popular in 2019 and decreased in 2020 for males was Vivan, V-I-V-A-A-N. It was ranked number 876 in 2019, but has now fallen to 1,254th. and Alexander spelled A-L-E-X-Z-A-N-D-E-R. So Alexander um, was 888. Alexander. That Alexander. has to be a vampire movie thing, I feel like. And has um, fallen to 1,172 on the list. For girls, the uh, name that has decreased the most in rank was Yaritza. Y-A-R-I-T-Z-A went from 813 to 1200 and Marissa, which feels like a fairly common name to me, has gone from 875 to 1084. The flip side of that, if you want to hear about the names that have become the most, that have increased the most. I would like to see the statistics on the name Alexa and how that's just going to disappear from the face of the earth, you know? Because could you imagine naming your child Alexa now? They can't. No, they would constantly be triggering all kinds of stuff happening around them. Um, and Siri, I'm going to look those up. But the names that have increased the most from 2019 to 2020 for boys is Zaire, Z-Y-A-I-R, went from 1,558 to 968, a 590 spot climb. And Avaya, A-V-A-Y-A-H for girls, has climbed 1,547 spots to go from 2,477 to 930, which I'm really interested to know like what happened because that's a huge change. So like something had to happen to make that name more popular, but I don't know what it is. 
Um, okay, yeah, let's look up, let's look up a name. So Alexa, the most popular it has ever been. So it looks like in 2006, it was ranked 39th, which is really, really popular. I think that's about where Catherine is for the 1980s. So like that's, um, Michelle was even higher. I was looking at like the top 10, everybody was named Michelle. So, <laughs> so very popular in 2006 um, and remained in the top 50-ish for several years, uh, but is now down to 230. So yeah, has definitely... Tank. So it's not disappearing, but it is no. going way down. It did go way down. Um, and it's interesting because it didn't really even crack the top hundred until 1994. Huh. So it's a pretty short-lived, it'll be a short-lived name in popularity. Let's see about Siri. Siri not a name not been in the top 1000 yeah, i'm gonna look up i'll look up michelle and Catherine just for the sake of this being our show we can michelle do what we want yeah very popular michelle has been very popular it was number two in 1968 and 1969 let's see the year that i was born it was number 22 it has stayed pretty much in the top what has ranked in the top 1000 Looks like every year since 1938 almost. Yeah. And Let me see. The year I was born, it was 30th. So quite popular the year I was born. Quite popular. It's been in the top 100 for decades. Like... And that is for the specific spelling, right? Yeah, for this specific it's spelling. It's not like all Catherines. Yeah. Because that's a big deal for Catherines. Another yeah. <laughs> another exercise um, instructor I do on my little service that are live classes and shout you out. Her name is Catherine spelled like mine. And she gets very obsessed with how various Catherines in her class's name are spelled and spells them the whole time you're doing like leg lifts. <laughs> Just hearing your name spelled in different ways. That's a really, that's cool. Oh yeah. That's my research thing. I don't know that there's much. Is there, I know that I, I don't have, I have nicknames, but not from my name. I've no one in my family, everyone in my family has very easily shortened nickname names. And yet none of us do that. We all hate that. Um, so I don't ever respond to Katie or Kath. That's not me. I don't like that, but Michelle doesn't really have like a common Shelly, I've been called a Shelly before, which I just Shelly. like, I, I'm not like, oh God, I don't like that. Like, I just don't even recognize it at all. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, that's not like, that's not who I am. Let me um, do Mickey. Mickey is a Mickey, which yeah, I, those again, are just so different. Yeah. I just not would not, you. I wouldn't even think to respond to that. Um, shell, that's, like if you just took the end, like the, I like nicknames that are the end. apostrophe. Yeah. Yeah. Rin. I would rather be called Rin than Katie any day of the week. Um, what would be your like cockney rhyming slant nickname? Michelle, Shell, Bell, Bell. Bell. And that's a Beatles song. Michelle La Bell. There you go. <laughs> Bam. They knew what they were talking about. They probably did the research you just did. That wasn't just a rhyme. That was the actual no, that was how it that was how it happened. Yes. <laughs> yep. They they have done this research, the Beatles. 
Since we know that they went and found the obscure uh, snowman raising. What don't the Beatles? Yeah, what don't the Beatles Obviously, they know how to do their research. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so as I said, my research thing, I it's not unlike yours where I did do research, but it wasn't like my personal research. It was just going to various websites and learning things. I have some fun facts. This came from, it's in two parts. And the second part did come from a question I was asked this week that I wanted to find the answer to. So that's research. And then the other thing, I was going to do for pop culture, but it goes with this. And so I have an overarching research theme this week called what hath Bridgerton wrought. So have you watched the second season. Yes. I have two episodes left and I, you know, I like Bridgerton. It's pretty to look at. It's it, it knows what it is. It does what it promises it's going to do. And no more and no less. And I just have to, I appreciate that. I appreciate a thing that's like, hey, would you like some mindless entertainment that really just sucks you in and takes you on a ride and then you're done? We've got it. Come along. And I do. And it delivers. And I I just, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not ashamed. Bright colors, pretty lights, high sexual tension, beautiful costumes, pop songs, on string quartets every it's yeah that's that's what it is so and I did like yeah I liked this season pretty okay not as much as last season but I haven't finished it so what has Bridgerton wrought what am I talking about two things the first thing is um it's made Regency England pretty popular fairly popular in culture. We now know what Regency England is. I don't know if, you know, four years ago, if you said Regency, people would picture that, but now we can picture Bridgerton um, as historically inaccurate as that is. So there is a show I have been watching that I just want to talk about for a second. You know, you know that I love reality TV. I love reality TV competition shows. So there's a show called The Courtship. Have you heard of this show? No. You and most other human beings, because in its, after two episodes, it's on NBC, it was, but after two episodes being on NBC, it got pulled and moved to the USA Network because it was so unpopular. Um, And I think for two reasons that I'm identifying it's unpopular. One, it isn't in the mold of any set show, really. It's hard to know what it is. And like I said, I'm I'm an expert in reality TV. I'm going to say I've ranted about it here. So my favorite kind of reality TV are immersive competition shows where they like make people dress up. They live what they're living. They make them go be fantasy characters or it's a murder mystery and they're competing for money. And this is doing that in a half-assed way. So it's not enough of that, but then it's also trying to be the bachelor and it has none of the drama of The Bachelor. None of the trash drama we look for in The Bachelor, none of the fun of an immersive reality show. Basically, I'll read you the description. The series, it's a reality show. The series, I just turned Siri on by saying series. There we go, speaking up. The series follows a heroine looking for her Duke, transported to a Regency-style England 
a group of eligible hopeful suitors have to win the heart of the heroine and her court. Now, this is the best part. Basically, it's a reality show where they compete for love set in Regency England. Everyone is dressed up. Everyone's living like they're in Regency England. But because they're really trying to make it immersive, it isn't just the woman, right? Because you can't be unchaperoned in Regency England. So they have two of her best friends, her sister, and both her parents. And they are dressing them up and they have to be on the reality show. And her parents are a delight. They are the most wonderful, fun people, and they are having the time of their lives. They love being on this show. And it's just very cute to watch her parents get very invested, all dressed up in Regency era costumes, (laughs) trying to find love for their daughter. And anyway, I'll keep reading. Housed in a castle on the countryside, set on a beautiful backdrop of rolling hills, the heroine and suitors experience that with which dreams are made of, from carriage rides and boat rides on the lake to archery and handwritten letters to communicate. They are immersed in a time-traveling quest for love. In the end, the heroine and her suitors will discover if the ultimate romantic experience will find them true love. So that's the courtship. They're saying that the most romantic time in the whole world, and they say this every episode when it starts, the most romantic period is the Regency period of England. I disagree, hard disagree. And so they are trying to help her find love in that period. It's the bachelor in Regency England, but they just do wildly awkward things. She can't be alone with any of these guys. They have to talk to her parents first. Most of the show is you watching these people who are trying to win the hand of the woman, just talk to her parents and talk to her sister. And then the way they eliminate, the way she eliminates people. So in the bachelor, this would be the rose ceremony is they have a ball. Every episode, there's a ball and she chooses like four people that are on the chopping block and they have to dance. And they have made all of these contestants learn a very complicated Regency period dance (laughs) that when she calls them forward, she dances with them. And you can see everyone who are not trained dancers counting steps in their head panicking, trying to do this dance. And she's like, I just think you need to show more passion. And like a full string quartet is playing and it's so awkward. (laughs) It doesn't work at all. Um, And the guys are just sweating bullets. They can't keep their steps. It's, they're getting eliminated. It's great. Obviously this is Bridgerton inspired, right? Yes. We have Bridgerton to blame for this whole thing. So that's my first, I just wanted to say, hey, that's something Bridgerton has made. But my second thing is, this comes, now is my research part. This comes from a question you raised earlier last week to me, which is we were talking about the Grammys and we were looking at, A, how many categories the Grammys has. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we were looking at people that won and we got confused by a certain win in the Grammys, which was Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear, who are 22 and 19. And they have six years of musical experience between them, which is not a ton. They made the unofficial Bridgerton musical. And then 
that won a Grammy. So I wouldn't have known anything about the unofficial Bridgerton TikTok musical if it hadn't won a Grammy, but it did. And it didn't win for like a super small, no one's heard of a category. They won for best musical theater album, period. So like I said, they don't have that much experience between them, which, you know, if you're good at something, who cares, I guess. But they beat out like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber was up in this category. Um, Connor McPherson, Bob Dylan was up and they beat all these heavy, heavy, heavy hitters. It was a big upset. And they had said, quote, I found an interview with them. They're like, it's hard to fully comprehend. We did this from our bedrooms. In my head, there was no way this was going to happen. We just wanted to put out the album for the people that followed the whole process of it. So did it happen? What does it mean? Unofficial. How did it happen? I have so many questions. We both have many questions. The main one being, how can something be nominated for a Grammy if it's unofficial? You would think that if someone made an unofficial something, it can't go up for major awards. It can't be bought and sold. So I also want everyone to remember my deep an everlasting love for Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, which it just flew and soared so that whatever this Bridgerton thing is doing can happen. Um, In fact, I think I've said my New Year's Day tradition now is to watch Ratatouille, the musical and sob. That's how I start my year, every year for the rest of my life. So the Bridgerton, the unofficial Bridgerton musical is like that. It is a TikTok musical. So I think we can now say that TikTok musicals are becoming a thing, maybe. And so these two young women who are were trying to break into kind of Broadway, into musical theater, they were not being successful. So they were just playing around. They do a lot of live stream stuff where they'll ask people watching their live stream to give them something to work with, give us a line. So they were like, this was very natural for us. So they went to TikTok and basically the same way Ratatouille was made, they gave in, you know, they got ideas from people. They worked with everyone on TikTok. It was very communal creation album. They produced it themselves from start to finish. They used like a synthesizer for all the orchestra music. They are the only two people singing on it. So even when they have um, like male leads from Bridgerton, they just do the voices. They're the only singers. They produced it from start to finish in their bedroom entirely. And they won a Grammy. It's amazing. So it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music and other streaming services. The musical has yet to be staged. And this is like, I don't, I couldn't find that research, but I don't know if that's ever happened for best musical theater album, that it was an unstaged production that won. It's not even, yeah. 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 Usually it goes to like Hamilton has won it. The Lion King has won it. So they gained approval for it. They did from Julia Quinn, who is the author of the Bridgerton book series. And then they got the cast members of the show on board. And then Netflix gave Barlow and Bear, their lawyers, the green light for them to make it. So it is sanctioned from Netflix and the author of the books. I'm very unofficial. I know. I'm like, why is it unofficial? 
So they don't, I think it's unofficial because they don't own the IP. And so they were asked, are you going to stage this as a real musical on Broadway? And they said, well, we can't. We can never do that with these songs. We don't own the IP. So I think that's the unofficial part, that this hasn't been a musical on Broadway and it can't be a musical on Broadway, at least if they put it on themselves. So basically that they said it's Netflix's call. Netflix, come give us your intellectual property, which I don't know if Netflix will do unless they like own the musical. So in the name of research, I have ruined my Spotify, alg my Spotify algorithm, listening to all 15 songs, 40 minutes in total. It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> I could have done better things with those 40 minutes. The Penelope Featherington song is probably the best song. If you want my opinion, it's very, uh, if Billie Eilish did a Disney princess song, that one is, is pretty good. Go listen to just that. Um, there's a lot of like awkward rhyming with like soiree and away a lot or champagne and to blame. It's a lot of that. There you go. Unofficial Bridgerton TikTok musical won a Grammy. It is sanctioned by the powers that be, but they don't own the IP. So to answer with my research, two other Grammy questions we had when we were talking about the Grammys, were there ties at the Grammys? We were looking at who won. It seemed yeah, like some people had tied. Multiple winners. There were two ties at the Grammys this year. Silk Sonic shared best R&B performance with Jasmine Sullivan and the best score soundtrack for visual media. So specific, best score soundtrack for visual, yeah, visual media. media. That's the category. Was shared by Carlos Rafael Rivera for The Queen's Gambit and John Baptiste for Soul. And as well as Trent Reznor and Atticus Rolls. But mainly John Baptiste, we're going to say, to be thematic. So there are two ties at the Grammys this year. How common is it to have ties at the Grammys? Pretty common. There have been 31 ties in Grammys history. And you can compare that with the Oscars in which there have only been six ties. And the Ooh, Oscars have been going. Do you know Barbara Streisand tied with Katherine Hepburn for Best Actress? I mean, how do they, like, what does that mean? I don't, I guess I just, like, it's an award ceremony. You have to pick one. That's the well, it's votes, right? It's people I voting guess. and they but get I mean, the like, exact that's same not how it works. If, if, if the president has it, like, we don't just go, okay, well, we have two presidents now. That's not what we do. I guess it's because no one's allowed to know the results. And so if it was a tie, that would necessitate more people knowing all the results. But there should be a tiebreaker at the Oscars. They should have like an act off. They should have to do a Regency dance. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Everything should be decided now by awkward Regency dances. I mean, I want to say yes, but I think I'm losing all of those, but you know, <laughs> it'd be worth it there to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just so fun to see them going like, one, two, three. they're just counting in their head. <laughs> so, and, and keep in mind, the Oscars have been going on a lot longer than the Grammys. So 31 to six is a big disparity. So that's that. Next, why are there so many categories? So many categories. There's so many. Um, how many categories do you think were at the Oscars this year? 20? 84. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 20 is too many. I don't, I mean, I guess I say that. Like, it's a celebration of what people do. If there's that many categories of what they do, I guess 
I mean, yeah, you're saying you want to celebrate people doing what they yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, I just, I, I just, I guess then, and maybe, maybe this is, you know what, I'm going to backtrack on what I just said. Like, I guess we have to decide what award shows are for, right? Are award shows some sort of like public display that's supposed to be getting all of the viewers involved and caring about it? Or is it a celebration of the people within that industry doing the thing that the people within that industry understand and respect? And I yeah. think if you ask me, I would say it should be the latter. So if that means there needs to be 80 categories, I guess that's who am I to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, like the Oscars where they have the technical stuff that's never on TV. The majority of those are not shown during like the main ceremony. In the history of the Grammys, the most categories they've ever had is 109. And the least, which was when it began in 1959, is 28. So it's gone from 28 to 84. It's always been, wow. And it's it's mainly, the best answer I could find for why is not exciting. It's because there are so many categories because they have to cover any song potentially written in a given year. So they try to be genre specific. Which has led to problems. There are, um, yeah, there were like some I said, weird genre divisions. When I was, yeah, going through the list, I was like, "What are these genres? Like, what is this?" It's, I mean, it's went, it's fluctuated right from twenty-eight to one hundred and nine categories. So they make new ones, they take them away. There was best disco album for a while, best polka album for a while, which have come and gone. And a lot of people now are arguing that there needs to be a K-pop category. Oh, yeah. I mean, that yeah. That's, that's unfair that there isn't one specifically for K-pop. So, yeah, that's it. That there's so many different genres of music that you it would be comparing apples to oranges. Done. Kind of like why the Golden Globes have musical and comedy versus drama when they have awards. Then, just, just to get into categories more, if you were wondering... What is the difference between song of the year and record of the year? Is that something you've ever thought about? It is not. Me neither. I assumed like an idiot that song was for one song and record was for the whole record. But when it's the whole thing, they call it album. That's what I would say too. But yeah, Yeah. we have album. Okay. Album. So song of the year. And this is also why it has so many categories. I learned about this discrepancy. Song of the Year is an award for the song itself, not the performance of a song. So that's for songwriting, just lyrics and melody. Okay. And then Record of the Year is the award for a song in its entirety as it appears on the album. Yeah. Okay. Production, the the voice, um, the artist's performance. So, and production value, all of that goes into that engineering mixing, but for a song there, it's just lyrics and melody. Um, and so most, a lot of categories have song versus performance dualities. So you're almost doubling up on all these things because song awards are given to songwriters and performance awards are given to everyone involved in the creation of the song. And that's just, and mainly that's just due to the way songs are copyrighted and okay. written. So there are two copyright owners to every single song. And the first one, which is the mechanical copyright, is to the people who write and compose the song. And then the other one is for the second copyright belongs to the performer. And the mechanical copyright, can't like anyone pay and use that? Like, aren't you just like, if you want to perform a song, you just pay that amount and 
you just can. Yep. So I'm going to end with some fun facts. Who let the dogs out? Did you know that that one best dance recording in 2001? I did not. Grammy winning song is Who Let the Dogs Out? Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The soundtrack. The soundtrack for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? One album of the year. It's really good. Do you have you heard it? It is good. It's it really good. excellent. It's very good. It's just, I was like, it won the whole thing. That's like the biggest award. And then here's the most shocking one. David Bowie never won a Grammy while he was alive. He didn't win any until after he died. Once he died, Blackstar won a lot of Grammys. But until then, he had never won a Grammy. He didn't win a Grammy in his whole life, which I think is wrong and sad. My final research, which is an unanswerable question, because this is the man that gave presented John Baptiste the award that had the great acceptance speech is how is Lenny Kravitz so amazing and never ages? I think I read somewhere like a theory that he's a vampire, like that he just yeah. like is perpetually that age forever. Like, like, what is he like perpetually like 27? How dare, how dare that man have an adult daughter? It's just <laughs> not right. Every time I realize Zoe Kravitz, who's like starring in Batman and a full adult human is his daughter. I'm like, no, what is that secret? That's research I can't find. I'll, I'll leave it to the viewers to find out. Where did Lenny Kravitz find the fountain of youth? Yep. Yep. So that's it. That's the Grammys rundown. Thank you for finding those answers. And I answered them. I feel like this is a very light, like not in, um, content but in tone like I feel like yeah we've avoided getting into any dark terrible things that we haven't other than you haven't. being haunted by small mammals I mean I guess which that's is fine I mean we haven't complained about humanity for three hours yeah yeah those animals that are haunting us right now we celebrated song we talked let's 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 recap yeah let's recap <laughs> Um, from my weird thing, my friend found a fish on a walk and now it's so nice. That's so nice, Al. I hope Al does good. My weird thing was the, um, onslaught of animals in my home that I'm experiencing. My pop culture thing was, let's just all take a moment and appreciate John Baptiste. I just want to take another moment. Okay. My pop culture was my friend Jess animating the girl talk with Khalifa music video. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. My research thing was names. <laughs> names exclamation point. <laughs> and my research thing was what hath Bridgerton rot colon the Grammys and reality shows. All right. Okay. So I don't see, there's not a theme immediately jumping out to me other than just kind of like, no. Ooh. Okay. I would like to try to cram the thing you said about don't run into something you can't see the other end of, but I don't think that fits I don't think very it's well. Too. No, but I am what you said about like John Baptiste and gooey Louie guy about 
I don't know how to put that succinctly, but that idea of like yeah. having a spiritual calling and things we consider minor things is so great. And I think I'm going to say the goldfish, like that friend of yours, the fact that she saves plants and like, is, is that kind of that observation, that kind of care in the world, caring, caring about things and wanting to make sure that there's like a stewardship. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I'm going to say for my weird thing that the second exterminator that came and the natural gas man, they were just so like, they were so kind. I am someone, I don't like people. I don't even like people I know in my house. So to have like men in and out of my house, especially past midnight, I'm like, and I just appreciated how these, both of those workers just made me feel really at ease. And the exterminator, the second exterminator was here for so long in my house and he was not going to leave. He was not going to leave telling me I had a floor full of rats and there's nothing I can do about it. He stayed and stayed and stayed until he found something he could do for me, like cramming the steel wool in the one hole he found. And it was so great. And, and I don't know if he, I can't speak for Tim. But if anyone does in the in the Colorado Springs area and need a good exterminator, oh, they're the best. Just contact me. But I can't speak for Tim from this service. If he he if he would think that was a spiritual calling to be an exterminator, but he was so good at it, and it was he it, it did just it felt with like so a care good. and a respect and a yeah yeah. And I will say, in his utility belt, he just had a jar of peanut butter. Cause he put the peanut butter in all the traps. And I love that in his tools, just, he got out, got this, got this peanut butter. So I like that. I think that fits in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like doing the thing you're supposed to do. And then it sounds like your friend Jess is. Yeah. Doing the things her talents are getting recognized. Her talents and they're getting bigger and bigger with a larger and larger audience. Absolutely. Yep. Um, the Bridgerton stuff definitely. Fit. And look, the Grammys, we talk about why there's so many categories because there's so many people doing what they do in so many different ways. And so then it's just the names, which I guess, I mean, I think the fact that the United States doesn't have restrictions on names because we just have like, I mean, sometimes it brings up pretty ridiculous things, but it also allows us a lot of freedom and uh, the ability to create something new and to create new trends and to, you know, like like, that's the, that's the double-edged sword of America. Yeah. Yeah. We might do something stupid, probably, but every once in a while we do something great. <laughs> with 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 stupidity can come greatness and vice versa. Yeah, so I um, think it's like, something like do what you love, be who you are, you know, some, something in that vein. And also like a spiritual calling can be small. A yeah. spiritual calling can be, I don't want to say small, I don't want to have anything that's like diminutive or negative, but you know what I mean? It can be quiet. A spiritual, it can be quiet. Like you it don't have be, to, it's like, you don't have to change the world to change, change the world. The you world. don't, you don't have to change the world to change the world. Yeah. 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 There man. we go. Oh, that's man. it. That's like so easy this time. <laughs> it's because we're positive. You don't have to change the world to change the world. Yeah, I like it. This is like yeah. the most upbeat we've been. I know. Maybe ever. Like, like in, was this episode 32? 
33. I think this might be the most upbeat we've been in 33 episodes. Oh, no, it is 32. I'm 32. Sorry. It probably will be more than next. 30. Yeah. No, I think this is the most positive. And yeah, let's leave before we find yeah before we start talking about Michelle. anything else. Let's get out of here. Right. Have a have a wonderful week. Be happy. Thank you, everyone. Send us grab bags. Send Goodbye. Us grab bags.